hello and welcome to the newest edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo. With me is Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. And this week, we are discussing Ryan Johnson's newest film, Knives Out. After that, we're going to look back again on 1999. We spent a lot of time this year discussing that specific year. And we're going to tie it all together this week with our top five films of 1999. Harlan started out with a rusty Smith Corona and built himself into one of the best-selling mystery writers of all time. 30 languages, over 80 million copies sold. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big fan. I'm a big fan. Who is that guy? Uh, Mr. Blanc is a private investigator of great renown. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You're famous. The night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. (laughs) And your son, Ransom, did he attend as well? Yes, but he left early. I think Linda was upset. Walt would get a little Irish courage in him. He'd get into it with Harlan. What? Richard said what? Are you baiting me, detective? Attempting to be thorough so we can figure out the manner of death. You mean if someone killed him? You think one of us, one of his family, Walt, Walt. killed him. Mr. Blanc, I just buried my father who committed suicide. Why are you here? I suspect foul play. Okay. Gentlemen, uh, with Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson, we have his newest genre picture, I guess you could call it, the whodunit genre. Uh, and that genre or even to broaden it a little bit the mystery movie it's been around for a long time this isn't anything new Uh, and whether it's the Agatha Christie mysteries um, detective movies with uh, the likes of Sam Spade or Philip Marlowe or I was thinking even movies along the lines of uh, Sunset Boulevard or Usual Suspects we always have a lot of sort of or at least some very key and very clearly defined characters and we spend a lot of time with them and it's important in those types of movies that we're introduced to their eccentricities and the things that are unique about them and you know it's I think also important that within the film and while we're watching the film that we find them like likable or intriguing or funny or whatever it may be at the very least they need to be entertaining characters I think within this this type of genre what I find interesting about all these movies, and Knives Out certainly no exception, that as soon as your audience knows that you're making a whodunit movie, as important as it is to the movie as a whole, the character development, the character interactions, and then even if you want to layer some metaphor and commentary throughout the film as this movie does, that all becomes secondary. The most important thing and the thing that everybody is thinking about is the payoff. Who did it, how, and why? And so my question for you guys is actually pretty simple. Uh, when it comes to this movie, did you need the payoff for it to win you over or, to, or for you guys to classify this movie as a success or a good movie? Well, you find out who did it kind of midway through the movie, right? Like it's not... A little you, bit, yeah, which is he, a little tweak that he makes on the formula. So I think that that's significant because, um, you know, you find out what happens and... Um, <clears throat> but there's still a significant payoff at the end of this movie, like all whodunits. That, you know, well, my question I, is, did you need that for this to be a good movie? 
To, I did. Uh, I mean, to answer your question, I did. Yeah. I, I went into this movie, like, very excited about, like, how is he going to sort of reinvent this genre that's it, it like that would be hard to do this day and age uh, like a whodunit with all our technology with um with ever with all our expectations of past movies i was very excited to see how he was going to pay that off and once we figured out that like the whodunit like halfway through i was even more intrigued i'm like then what is the the question then became what was the payoff gonna be which mm-hmm. kept me interested in it but to answer your question i absolutely needed that so then let's so if the payoff had disappointed you would this movie not have worked for you because that's you know what my thought is is like forget about the time and time you know today making this this type of movie. I think in general, it's hard to have a successful payoff in these types of movies. Like you're always sort of left disappointed because especially, you know, if, if a movie really kind of leaves you in the dark throughout your imagination gets the best of you and the payoff isn't always up to that. So, you know, there was a lot of, he was under a lot of pressure to make that work. Right. But let's say it, didn't work is this a good movie otherwise i mean is this worth seeing like we kind of teased this a little bit with the usual suspects when we kind of stumbled across this idea of whether or not that's actually a good movie or just a good ending you know what i mean and we haven't really dug into that but i wonder if this is a similar question well, the difference between this and the usual suspects is this is a murder mystery from the get-go, whereas the usual suspects just sort of takes you on a different course at the end than you were expecting. This does that a little bit too, though. I mean, it definitely does it at the end. I mean, any pay- right, payoff you is ultimately going to do that. It's going to tell you that, oh, it's not exactly you what come, you were thinking. You don't come into the usual suspects saying... Like, if you knew nothing about it, like, first time watching it, don't know anything, you don't come into the usual suspect saying, oh, well, this is going to have... the end, yeah. Yeah, this is going to have some sort of ending. Whereas this movie, a murder mystery in a house like this, you come into it going, oh, wow, how is the filmmaker going to surprise me? Like, that is what... Unfortunately, that's what Ryan Johnson... Uh, set up for himself with this movie and I guess we'll get into whether it worked or not but that was the expectations going in for everybody who knew even a iota about the plot Japen yeah I agree let's let's continue okay that's it wait sorry did you want me to address something specifically well I guess you guys haven't really answered my question. Like, perhaps I'll phrase it a different way. Regardless of the payoff, pretend the last 20 minutes, half hour of this movie didn't exist. Would you recommend this movie to people? Like, t- I, it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around that because yeah, it's an inc- no. it's an incomplete movie without that. But are the pieces in place? Does this movie work? Do you like the characters? Or that you know what I mean? Like, sure. That that's what I wonder I, about a movie like this. Is it needs more than just the payoff? Otherwise, it's just a good ending. Yeah, no, I got you. Your, your question reminds me a little bit about my feelings about Marvel movies. You know, um, and I think what's appealing about those yeah, about that's what the, I was thinking. The Marvel movies is that. 
you like to kind of hang out with the characters. I don't know that we're so, at least if you're an adult or you're, you know, have half a brain or you, you know, you uh, maybe are like us and are a little bit of film snobs, you know, you're not really invested in what happens in the story. As we've talked about many times in the past, the story isn't particularly interesting or well-developed or even much of a concern to the filmmakers. But here um, there is a good, sort of murder mystery, which is interesting. And I think, you know, just sort of by attending and buying a ticket to a film like this, you're, you're on board for, Hey, let's, let's, um, let's get into this. Let's, let's think about, let's, you know, this is a mystery and, and that's what we're here for. And, um, but I think, you know, I'm a little bit the opposite of Jeremy. I enjoyed spending time with the characters and I thought they were funny and I was sort of very much in the moment with this film minute by minute. Um, so you weren't like your expectations weren't about how this is going to work in the end, like in the back of your mind, like that, what, that's kind of what keeps you going with this movie. Not that the characters were bad or anything like that. No, because there's not, there wasn't, there wasn't a there wasn't a something at the beginning. There wasn't a a circumstance with the murder or the death or the body that made you say, um, like, you know, something, something is amiss or something strange here needs to be solved. It was like, so he was murdered or he wasn't. And one, uh, the way Johnson sets up the, first 20 or 30 minutes of the film and in the um, interrogations of each of the main characters, you understand that it's going to be one of these people. Um, and, you know, much like clue or so- something to that. Something or like, like that. Eddie Agatha Christie. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, a lot of influence drawn there. And, and so you're, you're not watching the movie unfold. You're watching the detective kind of piece the pieces together. But you, and I, and I don't, I can't believe I'm defending, um, the usual suspects, but with the usual suspects, there's something else involved in that mystery in the sense that you've got, you know, an unusual circumstance or an unusual character or something that happened that was out of place that didn't seem to go according to plan. And so that you had to explain that. And there isn't that with knives out. It's pretty simple. Somebody killed them and we got to figure out who it is, which is fine. There doesn't have to be a, um, you know, it doesn't have to be any more new or uh, any more sort of complicated than that. Yeah, I'm with you, Chapin. And I mean, it's not to say that I wasn't waiting for the payoff the entire movie. Um, but I found this movie enjoyable just to watch. And like, I guess the simplest way to, you know, elaborate on that is to say that I would be excited to watch this movie again and not just for the reason of trying to, you know, see some of the pieces, some of the clues that I may have missed. Like, it's sort of just a fun romp. Like, these are funny characters. Uh, you know, the, there's some good um, running jokes that they reuse but don't abuse, and I liked that. And I thought the interactions were good. And then on top of that, I liked the, you know, commentary that it had. I thought that was clever. So I think the payoff was good. I liked the payoff in this movie, and actually I think it ultimately put this movie over the top for me, but I didn't need it. Well, okay. I, think I know you don't want to spoil it, but what, what do you mean? I mean, how, how do, what payoff? Like, which one are you talking about? Well, okay, so we're going to do our best to not spoil 
this movie too much, but Ryan Johnson follows the whodunit formula pretty closely here, with one exception that he tweaks a little bit and that he reveals about midway through the movie how uh, Christopher Plummer dies and and who's responsible. And doing that midway through the movie now has us scratching our heads as an audience saying, okay, well, what's the rest of this movie going to be? I thought this was a whodunit. I thought there would be more to this. And we find out later whether or not there is. But And I really liked that. I thought that was clever. I thought that was a smart way to kind of take something that we all know and have seen before and maybe you can't do all that differently anymore and he found a way to do it differently. But the 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 final payoff at the end, I really liked. I thought that was good. Um, but separate from that, I thought this was a good movie. And I guess that's what I was trying to get at with you guys is, you know, a, let's let's say you hated the payoff. Let's say it didn't work for you. Let's say you were disappointed with how it ended. Did that ruin the movie? I feel like if I was disappointed with the payoff at the end of this movie, it wouldn't have ruined it for me. Well, I could say I wasn't particularly in love with the payoff of this movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't think it really worked I, I wasn't, for I wasn't me. either. And oh. Hmm. Yeah, I and I I but think I, it did again, hurt. I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about. Like which part of it? The end, Chapin. The end. The very end. <laughs> like the very um, end. Captain America's involvement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not I don't care about that. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit there was nothing about that that was like, whoa, it really got me. Like, I, I don't know. I First of all, I think he was, Chris Evans was not very good in this movie. Which, really? Yeah. I, I like I, him. Oh, that's Surprised interesting. Surprised the shit out of me. But. Yeah, no, I thought he, I, I, I was, I liked his, the best things he did, he did in the trailer, I thought. Um, well, but, he didn't have a lot more than that. Like, they showed a lot of his scenes in the trailer. I kept just thinking, he, like, he has to get away. He's, like, back on the Avengers Endgame reshoots, and that's why he couldn't be on set for this longer. Yeah, it's, like, the the ending for me just... It's not that it didn't work. I think it worked. It just wasn't this, like, sort of mind-blowing payoff. Like, oh, he totally... They totally got me sort of thing. Okay, so that's good, then. So let's let's... Since we don't want to spoil it too much, let's... But I did think the movie the was fun. Like the so movie's fun to watch. That, so that's that the best I can question. say. That's the then best that, I can say about it. Okay, so that answers my question then. That like this, the way you grade this movie then is based on what you saw. Is it a, is it's a fun movie? Yeah, you know? and I and, I went into this movie thinking like I think I I think Ryan Johnson could really pull something special off. Something where this is like one of my favorite movies of the year and. I, I, I don't feel that right now. I feel like, oh, it was fun. I don't particularly want to see it again. I thought most of the actors were good. I particularly thought Daniel Craig was good, which could have gone haywire with that accent, but I thought he was kind of great. <laughs> um, and I had I had fun with it. I, I thought there was an interesting reveal, but overall, there was a lot of clunky moments in this movie for me. There's stuff that really didn't work can you give in it, my yeah, opinion. Tell, tell us, yeah. tell us. Yeah, there was, uh, well, there's a few things. Like, so the whole thing, um, shit, I, I forget her name, but the lady that ended up in the, let's just say the laundromat. Uh, Fran. The housekeeper. The, yeah, everything with, no, what's her name? Fran. 
Fran, yeah. Everything with Fran I thought was really clunky. Uh, and the, that whole aspect of it didn't work. I didn't believe Chris Evans as that terrible of a person to do the things that he does in this movie. Um, I just didn't see it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy the whole thing of Daniel Craig playing dumb most of the movie. I guess, yeah, I guess okay. that's kind of I it. I think those are all fair criticisms. Um, and... I think what worked for me about this movie was a hundred percent the interaction of all these actors. I mean, I liked Chris Evans in this movie. I'm not a Chris Evans fan. I was surprised that I liked him. I would say my favorite performance actually was Don Johnson. Also, maybe was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, um, I thought it was great. Uh, Daniel Craig, I thought was good. I and and I like the fun that Ryan Johnson was having with this. Like Benoit Blanc is Daniel Craig's name, which I think is sort of an obvious homage to, to Poirot who's with, from all the Agatha Christie stories, but then we hear his name, but then we hear him and he has this Southern drawl and it just totally throws us for a loop. And I think it's just some little tweaks that he made that I thought were smart. And I liked that. And then look, when you get, Daniel Craig and Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon and Tony Collette, Christopher Plummer and all these great actors kind of together in a room. I think that leads to something enjoyable. And I think he put that together together nice, nicely. Um, and he did that by following a formula. And look, you guys know I'm critical of formulaic movies, but I think he just did that. I think he followed the whodunit formula and kind of did the best he could with it. I, I, unlike you, Jeremy, was not looking at this as a potentially, you know, transcendent movie. I, I have very mixed feelings on Ryan Johnson. I also don't think that you can do anything all that transcendent with the whodunit genre. So this met, at the very least, my expectations, but also probably exceeded them a little because, like I said, I liked the payoff at the end, and I just had a lot of fun with all of these characters. I definitely agree with the having fun, and I think... Uh, a little insider information on this like so I'm working with the same location team that did this movie and when they all read the script they all read it as 100% serious and this this movie would not have worked serious I think it really uh, owes a lot to the the comedy value of this movie, and there's a lot of good comedy here. Um, but yeah, every to to a person, every one of them did not pick up on or 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 just didn't get that that this movie was going to go to that. a comedic I value. That. That's so great and, because we were talking about before we got on before you got on, Jeremy Lee, and I were talking about the fixies and. You know, one thing I took away from this this seeing this movie is you really do get a sense of Ryan Johnson as a as a director, and I think that's a perfect example. Like, I mean, he of course wrote the script; he's the author of this film. It's it's not based on anything, uh, but his own um, uh, uh, IP. But uh, he there, he has this serious script that your colleagues took um, quite literally, and then his direction turned it into this kind of lark this enjoyable thing and i mean we have we're in in a couple months we're gonna have to start making some decisions about that old chestnut about you know do we nominate the writing or the directing or the you know how do we how do we separate these things into separate separate categories and i think that's a that's lovely insight 
Yeah, and it's also interesting, like I said about Daniel Craig, which could have gone terribly wrong, and um, one of my co-workers thought it did, like, because just watching him on set, like, ooh, God, what is he doing? This is all... But in the movie, I think it totally worked, and honestly, he was my favorite, he was my favorite performance of the movie. So did you have any insight, this is like a kind of a fan here, does your friend have any insight into whether... You know, like how does how does the how do those decisions manifest themselves, or how do they come to make those decisions? You know, did does he have dinner with Ryan Johnson beforehand? I imagine he's busy with prep for Bond. You know, the next Bond movie, and he's got lots going on. And mm-hmm. they probably don't. They don't. I don't know. Do they do rehearsals? Like where where does this character uh, come from? Where do these choices sh- come from? For sure, they have the discussion ahead of time. And um, Ryan, it's really all about Ryan Johnson Johnson and what he his expectations are because if he started doing that and that wasn't what he wanted, I'm sure he'd say something. So yeah, (laughs) Daniel Craig's like, I'm going to try something. Um, so Ryan Johnson did talk, I heard an interview with him and he did talk about how he was writing the Benoit Blanc character. And I guess initially his thought process was to like, you know, follow in the footsteps of a Poirot and, you know, have him be quirky, like figure something out. And he was joking about like, does he have an eye patch or does he like, you know, or whatever it might be. And he said, decided in the end to just write it straightforward, just write the character. And that actually a lot of conversations with Daniel Craig, who I guess was one of the first actors signed on and allowed them to kind of get this movie rolling. That's what sort of led to what we see, which is interesting that it was collaborative. And it's funny that you bring up that everybody read it seriously, Jeremy, because like you said, Chapin, you know, you, you can you credit maybe Ryan Johnson for the comedy in this movie as a director, not as a writer. But watching this movie, not knowing that, you would kind of credit, especially this kind of movie, you would credit the screenplay more than you would credit oh, direction, sure, don't for you sure. think? And, yeah, and it sounds like perhaps it's the, op- the opposite. So that's, that's interesting. It's like unfair insider information that we have going into the Fixie nominations. Yeah, so, no, it, okay, it I, is super interesting because I, that's the first thing I said to him. Even before I knew this, I was like, the comedy really helped to make this movie work. And they all said, oh, I uh, when I read the script, it was, I, so, I, I read it serious. Jeremy, it did it did ultimately work for you. I mean, I, I, we, we've, we've done these, these last two podcasts. We've had some fascinating discussions, but we've kind of left it like, <laughs> I never know why we feel. Yeah, which is good because maybe people don't give a shit what we think, but like hearing us talk. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, one, I'm curious. That, that, sounds, that sounds right. Uh, no, like ultimately it did work for me. I had fun at the movie, but it's not, I don't see much of this ending up in my fixie nominees. Interesting. Yeah, I would agree with that. The thing is, like, I'm definitely it, higher it, on this movie than you guys. It was funny that you, you you brought up last week on Ford v Ferrari that you were you were grateful that you had seen the film so you could go into Thanksgiving with a film recommendation because right. of course everybody asks us you know seen any good movies lately or what should we go see and like um, yeah and and shut it's, up grandma <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be able to I mean this is I'm a almost movie that, done blue is the warmest color. <laughs> Um, day off. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I was saying. Anyway, so Lee, go ahead. What were you saying? I, I'm higher on this movie than you guys. Look, I this I 
I definitely, I will, I, I can tell you right off the bat to spoil a little bit of the fixies is this won't, or I, hopefully, and I, I, hopefully we see some good movies between now and then, but this won't be a best picture nominee for me, but I didn't, I certainly didn't expect that out of this movie. Like I said, like, I don't know what can you really do with this movie that elevates it? And I think he did as well, much as he could. And I, that's what I wanted. The, what could you do to elevate this movie? I wanted that. What? That's right. Of course really we all wanted. did. I, but I, I wasn't expecting it from Ryan Johnson or really anybody. I mean, you know, unless you, unless you do something, unless you have like a Yorgos Lanthimos doing his thing with it, it's not going to be any different than what we've seen before. No, I mean, I'm he not was very specifically tone, following the formula. Uh, or, or, like, I, I'm more talking literally structure on it. Like, yeah. what could they do to blow my mind? There was a little piece of the payoff that I thought was... Which... That was kind of right, smart. And without spoiling it, it's, it, I guess, what could have been, you know, had uh, Christopher Plummer not taken things into his own hands. Mm. you guys following me um so i thought that was pretty smart and kind of left me a little bit like wow um so right i think there's pieces here that he elevated with this genre and you know my next question for you guys has a little bit to do with that so i mean we can roll into that a little bit because well lee before we go into that uh just want to say so that that was were you the one who said it or was it Sarah, but one of you said, "Is that Waltham?" It was Waltham. Oh, maybe that was her. Which what went? What was Waltham? The car chase. No, it was Natick. Oh, there was. It was both. Oh, there was some Natick, and then Waltham, and then most they, of it or was, it was in Waltham, Waltham, then Natick, then they yeah. finished in Maynard. <laughs> yeah. <Next>. Yes. <laughs> On Western Massachusetts filming locations. Yeah, real interesting stuff. Um, so. Ryan Johnson, if you take the Star Wars movie out of his resume, which I guess some people would love to do. Um, yeah, people really dislike that movie. Is he maybe now one of our top genre movie directors? He has Brick, Brothers Bloom, Looper, and now mm. this movie, Knives Out. And he clearly works very specifically within genre formulas, film noir, whodunit, um, I don't know what you call the genre for Looper, but it feels sci-fi. like a genre film. Sci-fi, it's like, sure. It's like sci-fi noir. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of got to thinking, like, okay, this is a guy that follows genre formulas and seems to be doing it well. And it's kind of a bit of a lost art. I mean, everything now, any, anybody who dabbles in genre now is very intent on subverting it and or redefining it. And I think Ryan Johnson doesn't. And I thought that's interesting. And I'm wondering your guys' thoughts on that. Is this something that we welcome and that it's sort of like nice to have around a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think he, I think he's a very sophisticated filmmaker. Um, I think that he's got, he's very smart. And I, I always feel like um, he's not a particularly showy filmmaker either i feel like he's got a blend of that kind of geek kind of post tarantino geek ness to him if I, if you guys mm-hmm. kind of catch my drift there yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, with a sophistication um that isn't you know sort of arrogant in any way uh 
And I like that he works in genre. I mean, I think that that is, I think that's exciting when you've got, you, you know, you don't see auteurs. And by that, I strictly mean someone who writes and directs all their own films uh, working in genre all that much. You know, they usually kind of set, define their own, the films that they work on a little bit more specifically, like, you know, we think of like a PTA or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really, uh, I, I, I'm glad he's there. I mean, I, I also wasn't, uh, I mean, I, the last Jedi discussion might be one for another time, but, um, it's one I'd love to have. Um, but like, I, I just, like, I, I thought Looper was a fascinating movie. As I recall, Brick was, was pretty good. I mean, you know, he's, I think he's, I, I, I want him to keep working. Certainly. I love it. I, I, it's a very, it's a great question because, he other than brick there's not been a movie of his i've really liked like really really liked but i love that he's doing it i'm surprised that I love you don't that like it, looper more jeremy yeah i just didn't respond to it that that well i don't know why i i guess maybe a reuses it is, i like looper more than brick but the point is, like, I really enjoy the fact that he's trying what he's trying, and he's he's working in these genres, and I want him to keep doing it. And I think once he hits, it's going to be amazing. Well, I mean, he has. Well, you could argue he's made it. I mean, <laughs> he did direct the Star Wars movie. Yeah. No, no, I don't mean as far as for him. I mean, once it hits for me as an audience member, right? Uh, once it clicks, or when it you, does, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I like it too. I mean, I just think. It's not, we just don't see, I mean, I think what, what, what fascinated so many people with Brick was it was this neo-noir type of movie, a, a genre that we hadn't seen in a long time, set in modern day. It was a really unique type of movie. And we just kind of looked at it like that, like maybe this is a one-off, like, but Ryan Johnson kind of, and then he did Brothers Bloom, which sort of, you know, didn't get a lot of attention and I actually have never seen it. So I, for, for me, he, he sort of was just like a, maybe a little bit of a one hit wonder in that sense. But then once he did Looper, I started thinking like, okay, like he clearly has, you know, some creativity. He's got some good ideas. And I was disappointed that he went and did Star Wars, you know, regardless of my feelings for those movies, I was disappointed that he went that direction. So now coming back to Knives Out, doing another genre movie, I was like, okay, this is where this director belongs. This is clearly what he's good at. Mm. He has he has clever ideas. He can He's a good writer, and he's a good director. But this is where he belongs, making genre movies, not trying to fuck around with them too much, not trying to do anything too big or too small. Like, I just think there's a, there's a you know, a spot for every director and this is it for him and there's not a lot of directors left that do it like he does so i i, I just agree. think it's great I think that's a i think that's a good way to put it because like i just literally this week rewatched uh not rewatched watched the last jedi for the first time hmm. and i do not think it works um no. <clears throat> i think the the first one of the new what is that the force awakens or whatever yeah. that yeah. yeah i think that one works i do not think the last jedi works i think a lot of it uh well, let's put that conversation on hold. like i it's a good one to have but just for the moment let's pause on that um because i think it's a deeper conversation to have i i do think one i do understand here's what i like about johnson what i think we're skirting around like we, we, we talked about this a little bit with um oh fuck 
I just had it. What, 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 what were we talking about? Well, either way, I think what's nice about a, a genre. Oh, it was it was when we had Brantley on um, for the Halloween podcast of Blair Witch. You know, it's mm-hmm. jo- genre conventions are nice because I think there's like a famili- familiarity with it. It's the same reason we love movie stars, right? Like we just know them and, and we know kind of what we're going to get a little bit. It doesn't mean they can't still surprise us, but, you know, there's a familiarity, a comfort with them. Right. And so when mm-hmm. you have a filmmaker who brings um, a you know, brings an ex- a new excitement to those things. It's really exciting because you're like, okay, we're, you're, you're going to get what you want from the genre, but you're also, it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be conventional in the same way. So when you've got someone like Ryan Johnson, for the most part, it's super exciting to have someone um, who, who is kind of, um, you know, practicing in, in genre again, because you're, you're, you're taking what's nice and familiar and what you like about things, but they're, but making it, you know, new again in a way. Yeah, which I think was more on display in a movie like Brick than anything else he's done. I mean, Looper, I guess, is... I mean, Looper is a very original idea. Um, and I think here with Knives Out, and I think was what is probably what was disappointing for you, Jeremy, is that he's still dabbling in genre. He does a good job with it, follows the formula, elevates it here or there in some way, shape, or form, but there's nothing new about it. He didn't renew it. Right. And no, that's a great way to put it. That's a little disappointing, sure. Yeah, um, if I had to sum up my feelings, it would be literally l- what you just said. But but I wait, but, the, but what about the comedy? The comedy doesn't doesn't kind of bring something new to it. Well, okay, I don't think the comedy in itself brings something new to it. I I, I think the comedy. I mean, without the comedy, this movie wouldn't work at all for me. Well, what this movie does nicely is it it sort of gives you some odd combination of the the traditional whodunit, the Agatha Christie murder on the Orient Expresses type of movie and and Clue, which is a parody of that type of movie. So but it's it's taking the genre seriously, but it's just has funny characters, funny lines of dialogue delivered well. I mean, I think, you know, it's not making fun of the genre. It's still a whodunit. Start Clue to is or this is? This is. Knives Out is. Clue yeah. is a parody of it. That's right. why you have characters is... named Miss, Mrs. White and, you know, uh, Mr. Green and things like that. It's just sort of making fun <laughs> of the of the, of the the genre, whereas a lot of the, like, the Murder on the Orient Express, um, Death on the Nile, like, those are all very serious movies. They're not really a lot of laughs in those films. And he does a little bit of both. He kind of, you know, takes the eccentric characters that are in those types of movies and points out that they're eccentric. I mean, this movie is a bit self-aware, so that's, oh, for you know, sure. parodying the genre a little bit, but not in the same way that a movie like Clue does. Yeah, definitely. Which is nice. I mean, I think I'm, you know, I think the... It is, but I don't think that's new. I don't think that's making no, that I don't think No, I don't think it's genre. new, but it might be new for, it might be new for this type of film. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it seems like overall we all really, like, we enjoyed this movie, um, and it's definitely worth seeing. Well, I'm, but, yeah. uh, yeah, go ahead, Jeep. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I've been interrupting you a lot. So, no, please, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I think, like, for me, it's not, it doesn't transcend the genre, 
which is what I was hoping it would do. Like, there's very few times you can be as surprised in a movie like, uh, like, like I I use the example Minority Report's a perfect example, where you yeah. have a sci-fi movie that literally transcends it and sort of uh, blows you away with its expectations. Um, I like that that scene in Minority Report where the whole movie leads up to this thing where he's like, you, you know, obviously you can tell if somebody's going to commit a crime, blah, blah, blah. And he, uh, Tom Cruise's character's just like, no, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to kill. I know I'm not going to kill anybody. And then he gets to this moment and not only him, but you as an audience member realize, holy shit. He has to kill this person, which you were never expecting. And it's sort of like this mind blowing, like, oh, shit, they they actually figured out a way to make that work. Whereas there was never a moment in this movie where you're like, oh, they totally took it in that direction, which I never expected. Yeah, I mean, Minority Report and Spielberg in general is such a good example of using genre creatively, I think, where. Ryan Johnson is someone who we're excited to see envelop himself in a genre and kind of, you know, stay within it. Spielberg genius that he is uses it to his advantage just to tell the story he wants to tell. It's a tool for right. him. Whereas it's like an existence for Ryan Johnson. Um, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the formula piece for Ryan Johnson is very intentionally following the formula here. And I don't know. I think if he's, I, I think his thought process was as if he steps outside of the whodunit genre formula, then he's not making the movie he wanted to make. I mean, I think his goal all along was to do this, you know. So Agatha here's a great Christie question: like type How movie. would how would Spielberg do this movie? I don't know. I don't know that he would do it. Like, what decisions does he make differently? I mean, obviously, I mean, we're not going to be able to it, come it, up with it on the spot, but it's it, an interesting question. It would be like a, it would be like a murder mystery. But like it'd it would be like, be, catch me if you can. Yeah, but it would be about like it. It, it wouldn't be about all these characters. It'd be about one character or two characters, and it would do something to illuminate us about something. Something and Dan, Daniel Day or, Lewis would play the uh, Daniel Craig part. Oh God! Imagine that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of Ana de Armas in this? She's sort of the main character. We haven't mentioned her name once. I thought I like, she was good. Yeah, I, thought I liked she was her really a lot. Good. I thought she was magnetic. I'm really yeah. excited for her. Her next. She's in the next Bond movie, but um, right. Uh, but her her next starring performance is in a. Marilyn as Marilyn Monroe in a in a Andrew Dominic movie. Lee, ooh, blonde, blonde. Andrew I'm into that. So going back to the Last Jedi, I wanted to say quickly, you know, my experience with this movie in the best way possible is, I, as I said, um, with Knives Out, I was super engaged minute to minute. But much like a much lesser movie, which I'm forgetting which one it was, I think I described to you guys like, like summer of 2018. Um, that was leaving me. I was I was trying to remember it. It was being erased from my memory. Um, <laughs> as you, you know, were watching it, as a, uh, yeah, and and you know, like I stopped sort of caring about 
what had, what was happening in the in the movie before it ended. That isn't to say I wasn't enjoying myself and I wasn't engaged on a minute by minute basis, but it was just kind of leaving me. But it's interesting because my problems with Last Jedi were sort of the opposite. I didn't find the film very engaging. I I I, I for some reason own it just because I'm a Star Wars completist, I guess. But um, I've watched it and I I can and never find myself getting into it really. But I do appreciate the themes and some of the more interesting elements that Ryan Johnson brought to that film and the Star Wars series in general. And I think, um, you know, that opposite sort of emotional reaction to these two films is interesting, I think, since especially since they're so close together. I mean, he's this is, you know, two years apart for these films. Right. Yeah. And this one took half as long to make. <laughs> Um, he's yeah, getting another for the Star Wars, right? Well, there's supposedly this trilogy that he's going to do, um, but you know who knows? The, 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 yeah. You know they gave the same thing to the to the uh, Game of Thrones boys, and that's now dissolved. Yeah. So I can't keep track of all these Star Wars. Did they lines. get? Did they get rid of them because of the end of, of Game of Thrones? See, I. I, that didn't occur to me when this first happened, but I don't, I, I don't know. I think that'd be pretty fucked up if they did, because it's sort of negating all the yeah, great they work did a, they did for, they did a pretty good job yeah. up till then. Right. And it wasn't that bad. I mean, a lot of people didn't like it, but uh, it's pretty bad. Oh, come on. It's, everybody's a little being overdramatic. Yeah. Uh... All right, think, uh, uh, what are we at for time here? 41 minutes? Yeah, let's let's get to our top fives. Anything right. else you guys want to say about the movie? No, I mean, I look, I, I liked this movie. I think you guys are right, though. Um, it's far from transcendent, but look, this is an enjoyable film. I, I just think my expectations weren't for a transcendent movie. I don't know how you can do it. I no, you're yeah, right. I was hoping. I was hoping for more of a, I guess, the grittier version of this movie. Yet the comedy was, was the funniest part, best part for you. No, grittier, but still with the comedy, like a dark comedy version of this movie. Okay, sure. So, what do you mean? Like, give an example. Brick. I, I was hoping for the brick version of this movie. Brick is gritty. I don't remember Brick being very funny, though. Is it funny? It wasn't. No, it wasn't very funny. Brick, <laughs> so brick but brick funny. Brick didn't pull it off either. <laughs> brick, but funny in this movie. Brick's out. That's what Jeremy wanted. I wanted double indemnity all over again. All right. So we're going to move on to our top five. Top five films of 1999. So 20 years ago was arguably one of the best movies movie years in history. I have to say it is. Like it really has to be. This was a hard hard list to make. Um yeah. It was hard to put together. We've obviously reviewed quite a few movies this year on the podcast from 1999. Um obviously there's many more that we haven't discussed. Uh Jeremy me and Chapin were discussing off air uh, a little bit of a different way to do this since it's very likely that we all have some similarities here. Um, so rather than just going through, you know, five, four, three, two, one, the way we always do, if, if, you know, if my number five is on one of your lists, we'll just kind of go ahead and reveal where that is. If that makes sense. Um, that way, you know, we can just spend a little bit more time discussing the movies and then it's not that awkward. Like my number two has already been mentioned three times and, you know, so on and so forth. So, 
Um, we can also make adjustments. If you feel like you need to make adjustments, that's fine too. Um, okay. I don't want to start. Let's not, because I want this list to be somewhat definitive. Okay. Okay. So this is it. I mean, this is the definitive list. I'll 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 score these the way we do in the fixies, and we'll and now everybody will know what the best film of 1999 really was after this. I'm list. not even sure that my list is accurate to me. So it's tough. Oh, yeah, but um, I'll no, kick it's this really tough. Like there's literally we'll help movies. you. We'll help you figure it out. I'll kick it off. All right, my number five. We did discuss. We did do a podcast on this film, Three Kings. All right, David so that's Russell. my number two. Okay. Jesus. You why why do you say it like that, Chapin? No, it's not on my list. Okay. Really? So tell well, us why it didn't make the cut, Chapin. Aside uh, from it just perhaps being number six, but no, I mean, um, I think it was the rewatch that we just did. Um, Interesting. It was the rewatch that put it. Yeah, for me too. On yeah. my list. Yeah, I just. Um, I uh yeah it just was it just wasn't as you know what 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 sort of amazed me at the time was it was how groundbreaking it was and you know twenty years later that's worn off and so okay um, yeah I found what was left not to be as stimulating as it was it's still a great movie just not one of my top five of the year I think a, a big piece for me that that elevates it is that what we talked about on that episode was how little we see what he does in this movie anymore. And the risks that he takes. I mean, we talked about James Mangold last week of being a director that doesn't take a lot of risks. And David O. Russell maybe isn't quite that anymore. But with this movie, he took a lot of risks and they all paid off. Totally. Um, and then at the same time, like, it's a it's a bit of a genre movie that he transcends the genre. I mean, he... Yeah, I mean, his, like, for me, this is, like, a better example of what I wanted out of three... I mean, out of Knives Out. I yeah, wanted a, a Three Kings. I wanted a genre movie that went somewhere else. And that's what this movie does beautifully. All right. Chapin, why don't we head over to you? Okay. Uh, one, two, three. My number five is David Fincher's Fight Club. Um, a film that, that I know that I have been a little down on since um, our discussions of 1999 and our um, Fincher retrospective, but, um, I can't deny the power of this movie. I mean, 10 times as groundbreaking and kind of a slap in the face, no pun intended when I first saw it as an impressionable, um, freshman in high school. Um, just such a, such a, an appealing film both at that time. I mean, I think what's interesting about a movie like this is you can watch it when you're a young, angry teenager and it appeals to you for one reason. And then when you've hopefully grown out of that, you know, 20 years later, you see it in a whole new light and you understand maybe what Fincher and um, the writers were talking about when they made this movie. And um, it's a powerful movie and I, I can't deny that it, you know, it's um, and so, yeah, that's my number five. I can't believe it's that low, Chapin. What my, is it for you? My, num- my number two. It's my number. It's my number one. I thought it might be. I mean, it was. It was tough for me to not put that at number one. I mean, I honestly like this movie. I remember we talked about this on the Fincher retrospective, and you know, we talked about like how you respond to this movie in a visceral way. Like it's just in your face, and the way he films this is so sort of in your face and kind of jaw dropping. But 
the themes in this movie just I think are so well captured in such a unique way and again something we just don't see done in this way anymore I mean Fight Club is not my favorite Fincher movie but I don't even think we really see Fincher do anything quite like this anymore no that's true It's, it's definitely a different type of movie yeah, it's got a rawness and a grittiness, and it it's so smart with its thematic elements and what it's trying. Like, try to think of another movie that's trying so overtly to say something and works as well as this one does. Yeah. Um, it. I mean, for a movie year that is incredible, for me to put this as my number one movie. It says a lot about this film. I I remember very specifically in 1999, like seeing the billboards for this movie and like not really thinking much of it. Like I knew, I kind of knew Brad Pitt as a little bit of like this pretty boy and didn't think of him the way I think of him now. And I don't know, I just didn't give this movie credit in 1999. Who, and then like, Who would have guessed that age would have helped Brad Pitt? I know, right? I mean, he's 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 so good now. Like you watch him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like even Ad Astra, like he's just a a, a much much better actor now. But he works perfectly for this. Definitely. All right, Jeremy, what is your number 5? Uh I had a tie, but I won't do that stupid shit. Uh I'll go with American Beauty as my number 5. Interesting. Not on my it's, list. So the rewatch again is what propelled this because I remember all of us were like, what are we going to think of this movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we all were like, oh shit, that's actually a good movie. This movie actually works for the time and it works now. That was the thing that scared me. I knew it worked for the time, but does it work now? And it absolutely does. Um, and and the acting it is, is just so good. The acting's so good, the screenplay's so good, the cinematography's fucking amazing. Um, and it's a movie that, when you talk about 1999, I know it won Best Picture, but you have to mention this. Like, if you were to ignore it, if you were trying to be above it, if you were like, no, American Beauty. Doesn't no, hold it's, up, yeah. It does, yeah, it, it doesn't work. It, it actually does, and it has to be on this list. Yeah, um, I just don't think it's a great film. I think it's good, and it's a good reflection. It's a good time capsule back to that time pre nine eleven America. Um, but I don't find it to be. I don't think it's transcended anymore. It may have been at the time. That's my only. See, uh, I, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think, I mean, I agree that it's good, not great, maybe. But I, I'm with Jeremy. Like, I, I think mine was a bit blown when I saw this and found myself like fully invested in finding it relevant, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, all right. My number four is eyes wide shut. Stanley Kubrick. I wanted to put, this is one of those I didn't revisit. So that's my number one. Wow. I mean, this was undeniably one that was going to make my list. I've always loved this movie since the first time I saw it. And right. I've always, have always, well, I've always thought, I mean, I remember seeing this for the first you time. just like the orgy scenes. Yeah. Then I just watched them over and over again. Um, no, I just remember watching this for the first time and being like, hey, everybody, 
can we start talking about Eyes Wide Shut being a really great movie? I mean, I feel like this was a movie that people didn't, you know, give the appropriate amount of credit to. And I don't know if that's because of its content and it's, you know, borderline NC-17 rating and or what. But it's this is a great movie. This is a great character study, a really good look into um, Dr. Bill, Tom Cruise's mind and like his marriage and what it means to be in a marriage. And I think there's so many themes that run through this movie and Kubrick captures it beautifully, uh, which is no surprise, but this is an amazing movie. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to apparently disagree with Chapin. You're number one. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, yes, it is. Um, it, it, it's just, uh, I described it this time and I apologize for repeating it, but it's just a, it's a hypnotic film for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just kind of get kind of drawn into it and you're not really sure why. Um, you do. Yeah. And so, I'm um, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't really, what's crazy eat. too. is like, it's, it's, it's all in the way Kubrick captures these scenes because there's not really any music in this movie. There's a couple points yeah, a where he uses bit, a little yeah. bit. So like that's there's you know that hypnotic nature of the movie is not due to that which a lot of times music can kind of drive that. It's two it's more than two and a half hours long. It's like two hours and forty minutes long. It doesn't feel that long. It moves pretty smoothly. Um, it's just there's this interesting. Um, I was watching. I watched the new that new print of um, um, of the shining and there's this it, it, that in 2001 and um and uh a little bit in eyes uh, in full metal jacket but mostly in eyes which there's just this awkward you know if if you were not clued into kubrick and you watch that film for the first time you'd be like this is just this seems like bad acting or bad writing or something is awkward here it's not flowing the way right naturalistic dialogue or interactions happen but that's You've got to see it a couple of times to realize that's not the point. Um, and there's just some like Kubrick is so good at that, that you, you start to even enjoy that part of it. Like for me, those movies, when you, when I first saw them, you know, when I was a lot younger, those, that was always a little bit of a roadblock for me. It was hard to get past that kind of wooden dialogue. But then when you understand what he's doing with it, it starts to become, you know, something that you really enjoy watching because you, you realize like kind of, how integral it is to what Kubrick is trying is, is after. Yeah. All right. Chapin, your number four. Yes. My number four is, um, uh, Tim. Oh God. Is what's his name? Sleepy hollow. Tim. Yeah. Tim's sleepy hollow. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Really, this hollow. just missed my list. I'm really glad you put it on. I've always loved this movie. I, I usually try to watch wait, it. Wait, that's really what's it, what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh God, I guess I have to watch. I I have no opinion on this. I have no idea what how this made your list. I didn't even think of it. I um, love this movie. Yeah, it convinced me. I, I okay, so it's just it's just like uh, it's a magical movie um it makes it envelops you in this sort of halloween spirit that i don't think you could have in any other movie because they don't make you know hundred million dollar rated r original movies 
starring, you know, a slightly effeminate uh, Johnny Depp anymore. You know, it's like it's so weird and strange and but also kind of like, um, I don't know, it's a little romantic in a way. You've, they've got these gorgeous sets and these, this you know, uh, beautiful cinematography by Chivo Lubeski. And it's just it just you, you you're you have this feeling of of um, and Johnny Depp's really, really good in it. Too. He is. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, Good it's a fun movie. Look, this is that. another like like this is a knives out type of genre movie where it's throws comedy into a movie that isn't used to having comedy and elevates it in that way. I think it's um, I think I've always really liked this movie. Wow! All right, so it's my number four. Number four, yep. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Sixth Sense, which. I never would have thought I would have put it on a list until we revisited it. Also just missed my list. I mean, I was blown away by how well this was made. And again, here we go. We could keep going back to Knives Out. Like taking a genre movie and turning it upside down and having a expectation slash twist that really, really works but doesn't need to like even watching it this time around having obviously known the twist for years it doesn't matter yeah you don't need and it and then you don't need it and Haley Joel Osment performance is just like holy crap that kid's great yeah did you make your list Jabin? it did not but I, I I definitely understand you putting it on there Jeremy it um uh I sort of forgot. I think a lot of people have forgotten how good it is and how powerful the filmmaking is. And I think um, I sure did. You just you watch like a f- we're we're so interested in directors on the podcast that like you watch how confident a, a film that is from a, a really really young inexperienced filmmaker, mm-hmm. and you wish that he hadn't gone the way that he did. Um, Shyamalan, I'm talking about here, uh, and and it's just so competent and 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 bold in a way but also reserved and and he does a lot with a little which i think is always this uh, a telltale sign of a really um powerful talented director all right my number three we'll see how chapin responds to this oh god magnolia it's my number three as well they make your list chapin no okay um look this is, this is like for me. This is a movie for film snobs. Like this is like pretentious and mm-hmm. showy, and mm-hmm. that's awesome. Though I love watching it. And but Lee, you have to admit that like part of this pick, and it's my number three as well. So it's part of my pick as well. It's just like ha- the influence on you personally as a film watcher, filmmaker, sort of how that affected you at the time and that has to weigh into it a little bit yeah and i mean it's something that you know the way he films this movie and the things that he does like it was sort of like scorsese on drugs a little bit you know he's following in the footsteps of that style of filmmaking but kind of really going all in and just kind of using every tool he has in his belt and showing it off and doing it as loudly as possible. And that's why I say it's a like it's sort of a pretentious film geeks movie. I you know, I think 
I think if I showed this to the, you know, average moviegoer, they just wouldn't be that interested or impressed. They'd be bored. You know, I think I like the storylines. I like the interconnected characters. I think all that stuff works. Um, you know, I think the weird singing and frogs falling from the sky all works. But for me, what puts this movie so high for me in 1999 is the filmmaking. Do you guys think that Magnolia is more approachable to that average audience member you're describing, Lee, than say Phantom Thread? Maybe there will be there will be blood. The Master. Let's just say the Master and Phantom Thread. Is it more approachable? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I would say not, it is not more approachable not more than as, Phantom Thread. You think I Phantom Thread is is more approachable? Is, I do. Um, See, I I disagree. I think it's harder to, I think that film is harder for people to get into, but okay. Well, I guess, I don't know. I guess depends on, you know, a person's interest in that subject matter to a certain extent. I mean, I don't know. That's a really, really good question. I mean, I think that speaks to PTA not making his movies accessible (laughs) to audience members, but uh, maybe that's his problem. Um, Yeah, I don't know the answer. I I think I should ponder that. Okay. Let us know the next one. Will do. Number three, Chapin. My number three is Guy Ritchie's Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Really? Wow. That's one yes. I got to see again. Um, I did Jesus. like it. So I have to say that like this is not a movie I've revisited recently. Um, I'd probably say I watched it maybe three or four years ago um, the last time, but boy, it blew me away the first time I saw it. You know, like I was such yeah, an impressionable kid when I saw it. When, all these movies, of course, I, I saw them. I it think was I, our Magnolia. <laughs> and it was just like, it was this new thing, this London gangster film that I hadn't been exposed to. I mean, obviously there's a, a rich history of, of um, you know, sort of East End villains type movies um, with like the first uh, Get Carter or whatever that movie's called and all those kind of type of movies. But this one really was like a new, a new thing and an exciting new filmmaker doing um, new things with film on um, on a larger scale, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, I think a Guy Ritchie is another example of a guy who quite hasn't quite panned out um, compared to his first film, but this one, man, just kind of again slaps you in the face. Just, um, just what's the deal with his newest movie? I don't know. Like, I, haven't seen, a, I haven't seen a trailer for it. Oh yeah, there's a trailer out. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, the, looks okay. the poster looks great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Guy Ritchie. Um, I did like Lockstock a lot. I haven't seen it probably since the first time I did see it. Um, so I, it sounds like it might be worth a rewatch. But I, I, I'll say I liked that movie a lot, but I don't like his style, and that's sort of the, you know, epitome of it. Like he that very fast paced, quick cut thing that sure. he does. Sure. I've never really been into. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's like what, like what's the difference between him and PTA? Is like he's more MTV, whereas PTA tries to actually make a movie. An editor. <laughs> Insult. Can I? Uh, I know I'm up. I'm up next, but I don't actually have one left. So can I do a couple honorable mentions? What yeah. So wait, to... what was your no- your number three was Magnolia, right? Yeah. Uh, what so, was your number two? Okay, yeah, so we'll go... Okay, so yeah, give me an honorable mention. Sure. So I, I initially had a... T- I really wanted to put these two in as my number five, 
but it just like I couldn't justify kicking other things off. Um, and it's Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, the Jim Jarmusch movie. Yes, I never which saw which I. Oh, I, I really, really liked. And then the other one is a documentary called American Movie. Okay. Oh, that's yes, right. Thank you. That was on my, that's my one honorable mention. I fucking love that movie. That's which so I good. love and I own on DVD. I didn't even um, think, I didn't know that was that year. Yeah. God, what a uh, weird guy. It was, I mean, talk about just like having uh, some sort of like, need to do something it's that that movie oh man i wonder what ever happened to that guy he's still doing stuff i looked that up really <laughs> yeah that's great good for him coven that was the name of the movie he was yeah making, COVID. Right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god uh, that movie is so good i forgot all about that movie we should good have pull. all seen that in 1999 and been like why are we going to film school obviously yeah this we is should a have cautionary just gotten to something else yeah <laughs> Um, all right, my number two is Fight Club. We talked about it. So, Chapin, your number two, have we mentioned it yet? I don't think Michael so. Michael Mann's The Insider. Very yep. good. My number that, one. Oh, that's your number one. Wow. And yes. not on your list at all, Jeremy. Uh, it was supposed to be, it was my tie with American Beauty. <laughs> oh, number oh my five. God. God, oh, I, uh, fuck. Jesus Christ, I'm going to say to that. <laughs> Well, hey, he actually probably look, did us a favor because we might have had a tie for first place. So we, had, uh, so we revisited both of those, Jeremy. What like did, did uh, wow? The reason I picked the reason I picked American Ugh. Beauty is because I thought it was more appropriate for the time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I knew both of you would have it on your list. Well, okay. So before we talk about the insider, and this is why we've, this was we've such discussed a fucking everything hard now, list right? for me. This is the hardest list I've ever done. <laughs> We've talked about every, everybody's number one now, right? Inside is my number one, Eyes Wide Shut, and Fight Club. So everybody's list is complete now, correct? Yes. Um, so Fight Club got 10 points, being on all our lists. The only one on all our lists, surprisingly. So that is ultimately the best film of 1999. Yes, my best film. Um, Insider with nine points is number two. Eyes Wide Shut with seven points is number three, followed by Magnolia and Three Kings. So let's talk about The Insider which is my favorite film of 1999. My reasoning for putting it ahead of Fight Club is I think, oddly, Michael Mann did more with less here. Um, I mean, Fight Club, as much as Fincher did, which is a lot, I think he had a lot more to work with. I mean, there's an interesting story, but not a two and a half hour movie <laughs> story with the insider and he made one of the most compelling movies I've ever seen in my life, never mind of 1999. So, that's my that's my number one. Yeah, it's I I agree. I mean, I think in a look, I mean, if you look at the look at the rest of my list, um you've got th- four you know, maybe you could argue I no, I would chat is the same way just for different reasons, but four very like st- strong hard stylistic films. And then the insider is a is a innovative film stylistically and, and isn't you know doesn't necessarily pull punches but it's subtle compared to the other four and so I agree with you I think it's it's you uh, you know it, it, 
takes it's it's a little slower for us to get into that film because it doesn't kind of grab you with its style right off the bat. You know, I have to just say this. You know, we we talk we you know, we we malign the Oscars all the time and you know, we look back at 1999 and we look at all the great movies and we're like, "Geez, American Beauty won best picture out of all these movies uh nominated and you know, The Insider was one of them and I feel like Jeremy had always been with us on that argument, but now he's just I like ha- those Academy voters. I bet you voted for Green Book too. It is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> if this is an all-time list, Green Book would be number one. So makes um, me feel better about myself. Three of the Best Picture nominees, Oscar nominees, did get mentioned: American Beauty, The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. Green Mile and Cider House Rules didn't make any of our lists. <laughs> I've never seen Cider House Rules. So it rules, man. <laughs> I like the Green Mile. Do you? Yeah, it's good. But, eh. you know, it's not great. It's not Shawshank. Definitely not Shawshank. Um, all right, guys. Unless you have anything else, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Let us know your favorite films of 1999, your top five of 1999. Feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Let us know your thoughts on Knives Out as well. And... Like we've said in the past few episodes, it's fixie season, so we're working as diligently as we can to get to the theaters or to our couches and uh, watch as many of these movies as we can. Um, I'm not sure what's next. I mean, I know Marriage Stories on Netflix starting tomorrow, so we could awesome. um, Let's do that. That'd be great. Um, Well, I mean, here's the deal. Like, we should maybe do a a theater movie. Yeah, Jeremy only has so many theater trips left. Yeah, so we should get the theater trips out of the way, and then Marriage Story (laughs) we can do. We'll take a look and see what's out and make a a decision. Um, Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Like us. Rate us on iTunes. Leave us a review. All that shit. You're not going to do it, so I don't know why we keep saying it. (laughs) pathetic <laughs> what uh, do you want us to do peg <laughs> we'll do it all right i'm staying i'm finishing my coffee enjoying my coffee